always good to know that we can call on Jesus, for he never fails. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. So whenever we need him, let's call him, for he never fails. privilege to welcome those of you that are joining us by internet, by radio, or by t television, to the services that is already in progress at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church, 
We are located at 1720 J Street at the intersection of J and Doolittle. If you would like to reach us for any questions that you may have for us, you can call us at 702-647-2627. We invite you to join us in worship and Sabbath morning, Saturday mornings at 9.15 for Sabbath school and at 11 for our divine hour services. This upcoming week, we have a special youth revival and we'd like to invite you to come out to our youth revival. It will start on Monday and it will be at 7 p.m. Monday evening, 7 and Tuesday, 7 p.m. Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. and Friday evening, and we will conclude next Sabbath morning starting at 9.15. Our speaker for that special youth revival is Pastor David Solomon Hall, our youth director of the Nevada Utah Conference. And so we invite you to come out and join and worship with us. Today we have the privilege of hearing from our beloved Pastor Russell Lee Wars. As you know, he is no stranger to you. He is currently serving as our interim senior pastor. Pastor Lee Wars has stepped into perhaps some of the largest shoes to fill in the Nevada Utah Conference, and he has not missed a beat. So Pastor Lee Wars, we thank you for your leadership. Our prayers continue to be with you. His message today is one that I think will intrigue you. His message is housekeeping, housekeeping. And so after a special music by Dr. Karen Peterson, <laughs> the next voice that you will hear is that of Pastor Russell Lee Wars. Every 
church said amen again amen. wonderful is he faithful amen. is he really faithful amen. amen I believe he's faithful that's why you're here in the house today and not in the mortuary that's why you're here and not in the hospital today because he is faithful. And I know seeing Sister Marve here today tells me he's faithful. Amen. Amen. Want to thank Kyra for stepping up and taking care of the business this morning. That was awesome. Amen. With a children's story. Want to thank those who are the awesome music team we have here at Abundant Life. Amen? And how do we prepare for a revival? How do we do it? We pray. We never usually say we fast first. We always say we pray. But I have a request for the church. I'm asking, I'm asking for a commitment from you that we fast from Sunday at about at 6 p.m. and we break our fast on Monday at noon. Amen. You think we can do it, church? Yeah. And someone said six to six. I I, I want us to, to go from I'm I'm generous. Now if there are those of you who feel we need to go to six to six, say amen. All right. All right. So I'm asking Sunday, 6 p.m., and we break our fast together at noon. Now, I'm asking for a food fast, but some people perhaps can't do that. So I'm asking you to do a water fast or a juice fast or maybe for the entire week of the revival, Maybe you leave the television alone. Well, it's football season. Huh? It's football season. So I'm wondering if we could leave the television for a week. Starting, starting on Sunday evening. And we don't touch the television again. Not even for the news cycle. We're going to leave the television alone. Now, if it's tempting you, let's put it behind somewhere. The flat screen is easy to move. So let's kind of cover it up or put, 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 put a little spread over it and put it in the corner. I'm trying to help you. And put it aside. Uh, maybe we need to fast from Facebook or other social media. Huh? Uh, here, here's where I take it a little high. You want me to up it, LOD? Maybe for prayer and for fasting, husbands, you leave the wives alone for a week. You with me on that? 
I didn't get an amen. You're the only brother that gave me an amen, brother. I don't hear nobody else up in here say, Amen, Pastor Lee Wise. I mean it, though. I mean it. The Bible gives us conditions, Elder Brown, that says for prayer and for fasting, we can leave a little sexual intimacy alone. Only for prayer and for fasting. Only for prayer and for fasting now. So I'm asking us to dig deep for this revival that the Holy Spirit may fall afresh on abundant life so that God can do something special for our youth, for our young adults, and for our people here. May we not be the same as we were before. Shall we pray together? Father and our God, we thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, you're here. Fall afresh on us in a mighty way. Have thine own way today. And may we lift you up, Jesus, is our prayer in your name. Amen. Luke, Luke chapter 6. I want to start in Luke chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, come on. Turn your Bibles to Luke the 6th chapter. I want us to really dig in the word today because our church is founded upon the word. Amen? Founded on the word. Luke the 6th chapter starting at number 46, verse 46. Look at your word. And the Bible says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord? I'm reading the New King James Version. And do not, and not do the things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears me, my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently, violently even, against that house and could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great luke 646 number 46 is a question i want to address with you today luke 646 is a rebuke but also liberates those often in the presence of Jesus, but aren't necessarily with him or his mission. People who act like they got you, but secretly conspire and desire to wipe you out. The voice of Jacob, but the hand of Esau. Now, the church has always had a mixed multitude. Tears grow wherever wheat is sown. Goats graze in the same field with sheep. Wherever you find gold, you're sure to find fool's gold. While Jesus walked and preached in this world, he had many followers and fans in high and low places. Disciples only in word. Only in word. Fake. Calling him Lord, Lord. But our real rebels. Sycophantic, opportunistic leeches. No love in their hearts for the master. Luke 6.46 is really pulling back 
the covers. Luke also is telling us we've got people professing their faith in Christ. We're his name, but only through convenience. There's nothing I submit to you more numbing Nothing more dangerous to your soul. Nothing more ridiculous than religion without Christ. Nothing more likely to keep you from Christ than deluding yourself into thinking you have him when you don't. Nothing more dangerous than a mere form of godliness. And I'm here to tell you, nothing is more likely to keep you from seeking refuge than a refuge of lies. No surprise, Luke echoes. He echoes Isaiah's, the prophet Isaiah's rebuke of Hezekiah when he says, set your house in order. Carefully examine the context of Luke chapter 6 and Luke chapter 13, and you will find a troubling progression. From a question of pretense and show to outright cold-blooded disregard for God and his messengers. Go to Luke 13, Luke 13, 34 to 35. Luke 13, 34 to 35. Jesus is now lamenting Israel. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And assuredly, I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But there is more, a later progression in the word of God. Because Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 5, 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 5, Paul says, for the time will come when they, they the church, will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their what? Own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But abundant life, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. But I'm asking today, how can we do the work of an evangelist when our lives are so cluttered? We have become a bunch of hoarders, busy in the non-essentials of life, inventing innumerable schemes to occupy our minds. We overstimulate our minds until we can't hear the still, small voice of God. We've got the iPhone, the iPod, the iPad 1 and 2. We've added AirPlay video streaming to Apple TV and HDTV 3D, and now we've got 4D. Even that prism where you can watch four channels at once. We have video sharing on Facebook. And there is still Twitter to deal with. And don't forget, you've got to be linked in. We've got IMAX, Sin to the Max. HBO, CNN, NBC, CBS, ABC. We've got the See You Later Wives channel 
known as ESPN, and a meantime channel called TLC. While our youth drink from the poisoned wells of BT, VH1, and MTV. PCs run constantly in our homes on overdrive. Our minds are jammed and pounded with 24-hour news cycles. Our mailboxes are flooded with junk mail, mail order catalogs, and every kind of newsletter and promotion offering free products, services, and false hopes. We'll stand or sleep in lines for hours for the latest cell phone or game console so we can amuse ourselves to death. We're seduced by glitzy and glamorous advertisement, nullifying our senses with, with skinny airbrushed models on magazines and TV so we are fixated on outward beauty. We spend, spend, spend and borrow, borrow, borrow. And now psychologists are telling us nothing we see or hear or feel is ever gone from our brains. Not because we can't recall it at will means it has disappeared. Nothing we ever do, they say, in strict scientific literalness is wiped out of our brains. Our minds, our minds are inundated with so much trash, there's no room for God. Wives are persuaded to work long hours. Husbands to work six to seven hour jobs, Brother Gordon. Six to seven days a week. Yes, even on Sabbath, 10 to 12 hours a day so we can afford our empty lifestyles. So wives and husbands now are, are, are so tired, they can't even love on each other anymore. Families are fragmenting, and there's no time for the children. Even in our pursuit of education, which is good, we have become excessive. We're ever learning, always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. No time for God but time for ourselves and our celebrities. No wonder C.S. Lewis wrote years ago, the safest road, listen to me, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones or signposts. Gently, the devil is waving on us. Sleep, church, sleep, sleep, come on. A lullaby, a cacophony of noises, attractions, amusements, drown out the voice of God, and our house is left unto us deserted and desolate. Cobwebs have crept in. It's dark and dingy dilapidated and in disrepair, all but abandoned like some of our homes here in Las Vegas. But the question is still there for us today. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? It's still relevant today, as it was then. How will you respond today? Stewardship is taking care of God's house. And God has called us to be faithful stewards. Did you hear that? Stewardship is taking care of God's house. And God has called us to be faithful stewards. And I want to look at some responsibilities of a faithful steward, and then I take my seat as it relates to God's house. We're talking about housekeeping. First, we need to know we're responsible for the house where the spirit dwells. Paul says, Romans 8, 9, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And I want to go further. If we haven't accepted Jesus, the Spirit doesn't abide in us. 
because it's the Holy Spirit who brings Jesus in. My own life can't exist, self can't exist or coexist with God. So long as I myself am still something, Jesus himself can't be everything. You can't get off your roller coaster of habitual sin because you have stopped receiving the Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit can only be real as long as it is a recurring infilling of the Spirit. We are leaky vessels, we are told. And in order to remain full, we must be filled time and time again. That's why Paul says our bodies, our bodies are not our own. Our bodies are the temple, the house of the Holy Spirit. We've got to glorify God with our bodies if we want the Spirit to dwell within 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That means, church, don't put no ink on God's body. That's, the, that's what it means. I'm going to make it real. That means you don't put extra holes in your body. Body piercings and you call it art. It's not your body. It means avoid the most hideous and wicked types of, 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 of freedom of expression on the internet. It's not your eyes, not your ears, not your body. It means our bodies can't be trash cans. Like the Republic Waste Management truck that goes around and comes by here during the week and, and pick up the garbage. Your body, my body, is not, they are not trash cans. Obesity is so rampant that even the first lady, Michelle Obama, is asking us to let's move so we can keep busy, get some exercise. And we have got the testimonies. We have got councils on diets and food. Uh, 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 councils on diets and foods. We have got ministry of healing. For over a hundred years. And we dying like flies. Just like the rest of the world. And here in Nevada. We have one in four obese. One in four individual is obese. And Nevada is number one. Listen to me. Number one in obese kids. And here we've got the councils with us. We've got the message, but I think we've forgotten the method. We know tea and coffee, coffee, are neither wholesome nor necessary. Sorry, Starbucks. They are of no use as far as the health of the body is concerned. I know I wouldn't get an amen, but that's all right. I said it was housekeeping. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are no use as far as the health of the body is concerned, but we swallow it down. Gotta get my coffee. Tired nerves, we are told, need rest and quiet instead of stimulation and overwork. Nature needs time to recuperate her exhausted energies. The demand for stimulants becomes more difficult to control until the will is overborne and there seems to be no power to deny the unnatural craving. You want to know how to deny yourselves? Cut the coffee out of your diet. What's the sugar in your diet? Ministry of Healing, pages 326. But I'm glad, I'm glad elders and officers, listen, that this council is not just for members in the church. I tell you what, you thought that was rough? Here's what the author writes to leaders and ministers in the church. You ready? Say amen. All right. From the pulpit to the pew. 
Testimonies, volume 4, 408, 409 says, the reason why many of our ministers, ah, uh, ministers complain of sickness is they fail to take sufficient exercise and indulge in overeating. They do not realize that such a course endangers the strongest constitutions. Those who like yourself are sluggish in temperament should eat very sparingly and not shun physical taxation. She says, many of our ministers are digging their graves with their teeth. That's not for you, that's for the minister. From the pulpit to the pew. We must honor God with our bodies in what we eat or drink or whatever we do. We must give our, the honor to God. Do you want the Holy Spirit? Do you want the Holy Spirit? Making room for God in our lives means we simply can't treat our bodies any way we wish. You can't eat what you please. Eat when you please. Use and abuse your bodies or work until you drop and try to discern the will of God. We can't discern the will of God when our minds are clogged. And we're thinking cloudy. It doesn't happen. The Bible says if we prosper in health, our souls will prosper. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit, you will live. But not only are we responsible for the house where the Spirit dwells, we're also responsible for the house where we dwell. We've got a solemn charge to fiercely guard our households. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll tell you. 2 John 1, 9 to 10 says, Whoever transgresses, transgresses rather and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him in your house, nor greet him. How many demons have we re re released in our homes through the media? Through hours and hours of television, of the internet in our homes, young teens on the internet, unsupervised. And what do you think is going to really happen? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. And I'm going to touch that later. I want to tell you, parents, you've got to, cons you've got to be consecrated first. And then ensure your family worships together. Mothers, teach your daughters how to be ladies of virtue. The first, and I'm a man, so I'm going to tell you. The first thing a godly young man wants to see is your mind. Not the cracks, the cleavage, and curves. And fathers, let me talk to you too. Because I'm the youth pastor here. Fathers, teach your boys how to be men of integrity. Who will step up and treat women with dignity and class. Hebrews 11 tells us about the family. Hebrews 11 verse 7 says, The home is like an ark. Yes, an ark. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Noah did it all. Did all he could to save his family from the impending judgment on the earth. He couldn't drag his family in the ark. No, you can't drag your kids in the ark. You can't do that. You may drag them physically, but all the mind is not in the ark. <laughs> but he warned them and built their way of escape in his home. 
The salvation of our home's abundant life is of paramount importance. While only God can save your families, we can build a home pointing our families to Jesus the Savior. Husbands, can I talk to you? I'm one. Your first duty is to God. Your wife and your family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his family, and especially for those of his own house, I'll add, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. What a sacrifice on husbands. So it's not just about being head of the home. We bear a solemn burden, husbands. But I want to add, husbands, we need to surrender one to each other with our wives. If you've got to remind your wife that you're the head of the home, and something is off in the home, something is really off, you can't love your wife and then bully her at the same time under the guise of headship in the home. I'm talking about housekeeping, folk. Being good, faithful stewards. If a house, the Bible says, is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And that's why so many of our marriages are in ruins. Great controversy in the home. Society says, look out for number one. I have to do what's best for me. My happiness is my most important, important thing in life. But Christians are called to a different ministry. We are called to commitment in good times as well as in bad. Listen, the first thing you do to strengthen your family isn't reading a self-help book. It's not going to the family counselor first or going to the seminar that we're going to have. The number one thing you can do is to build a love relationship with Jesus. Get some conversion in the home, man. And then the Holy Spirit can come in. How do you do that? I'm glad you asked. Action, not just good intentions. Involvement, not passivity. Love without conditions. Love the undeserving, unlovable, and unresponsive. Give up yourself based on an accurate knowledge of the needs of others. That's how we build healthy families. Psalm 127.1 says, Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman worketh, but in vain. But there's still another responsibility for stewards, faithful stewards. We're responsible for the house where the spirit dwells. We're responsible for the home where we dwell. But we are also responsible for the house where we worship. We can't just come up in here every Sabbath and not be concerned about the business, how things are run around here, how the lights stay on, and how we ensure that the AC, the electricity, is paid. All of us have a role to play. If you're gainfully employed, God wants you to do something for him. And here's why. If the spirit is not right within you, then the home is not right. And if the home is not right, then the church can't be right. How is it going to be right? Peter says, Peter gives us a warning, church. Abundant life, let me talk to you. The warning is given by Peter. 1 Peter 4, 17 to 19, he says, Judgment, judgment, that word, judgment, begins at my house. Judgment begins where I live. 
Judgment begins in the house of God. Right up in abundant life. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. God holds his people as a body responsible for the sin existing in individuals among them. If the leaders of the church neglect to diligently search out the sins which bring the displeasure of God upon the body, they become responsible for their sins. In the church of God, there must be order and civility. Things are done in decently and in order. That's what I'm saying. God's house, unlike the strip, isn't a brothel. We're not up in the club doing the rub-a-dub-dub. Some of us are so messed up, we even use the church. The church is a hospital, pastor. We use that, that little notion, perspective, to cover, to conceal our reprobate, dysfunctional lifestyles. You don't go to the hospital to stay there. To remain sick. When you're in the hospital, aren't you supposed to get well? So that you can go out and, and minister to some other sick soul and bring them in to the ark? God has a word for us today. And I want to say it again. God, I've been told by the old folk, don't like ugly. God can't bless your mess. People ought to get well in the hospital so they can minister to others. And I like what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. It, he says, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives. God wants to move in. But some of us have locked the door and we have thrown away the key. The church, we're told, is still God's appointed agency for the salvation of men, organized for service. And its mission is to carry the gospel to the world. We're called out of darkness into his marvelous light to show forth his glory. When Jesus is in the house, abundant life, things start to happen. Things start to happen when Jesus is in the house. His presence spreads throughout the city of Las Vegas. He brings change to your religious routines. People find forgiveness for their sins. The sick are healed and delivered. Troubled marriages are made whole again. The church is in one accord when Jesus is in the house. I'm amazed by the psalmist. The psalmist overflows with declarations of love for the church. The psalmist, the psalmist thinking of God's compassion, he says, but as for me, I will come into the house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Thinking of God's righteousness, he says, Lord, I've loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thy honor dwelleth. Thinking of God's omnipotence, he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Thinking of God's faithfulness, he says, I will go. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered, and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. 
I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the incense of rams. I will offer bullocks with goats. Come, 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 and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Thinking of God's worst being better than the devil's best, he says, for a day in thy courts, just one day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Thinking of the goodness of God, the psalmist says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. What a mighty God we serve. A mighty, mighty God we serve. We've never seen the righteous. Have you? I've never. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Those who trust in the Lord shall be established forevermore. Has God been good to you? I want to tell you, God has been so good to me. He has been so good to me, better than I've been to myself. God has been good to me. So all I can say is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I learned of Troy Davis, his case. When he, a brother who was in Georgia, who was charged, found guilty of murder. And some of the witnesses who initially said he did it, they said, no, he didn't do it. Some of them recanted, they threw out their testimony. And across the world, people signed thousands of petitions. They marched on the courthouse. And yet, the governor would not offer him a pardon of, or clemency. So, he was trapped to the executioner's bed. And he was pumped up with the poison that would put him to sleep forever. And before before the final words that came from his mouth was, may God have mercy on your souls. And it, 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 it struck a chord with me, church. It struck a chord with me because I remember, I reflect on a case of an innocent man who was taken to a hill outside of Jerusalem. In fact, they didn't have to strap him down. He carried his own cross. And there, he rolled over. When he got to the hill, he rolled over and he allowed them to put rusty nails in his hands and drive rusty stakes in his feet. And yes, he agonized and he cried out, but he never complained. And they strung him up naked for all the world to see, and he didn't complain. Even then, his words were, Forgive them, Father. For you and I don't know what we do. And I said to myself, I said, Lord, nobody demonstrated for you. Nobody signed petitions for you. And you were certainly innocent. Pilate said, he said, this man 
I find nothing, I find nothing wrong in him. Herod, to, to wash his hands, Herod says, this man is a madman. Are you crazy? I killed John already. I'm not touching another prophet. And here we have, we're reminded of Jesus dying upon a cross, my cross, your cross. And the question is still being asked today, church, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? How will you respond, young people, youth, young adults, people of God? How will you respond today? Brother Ryan, come on up and prepare our hearts. What Jesus did on the cross, every time I consider it, I contemplate it, I'm saying, why would he do that for me? And the answer keeps coming back in the word, it's because of love. But I'm still trying to figure it out. Love. And that's why right now I just want to thank you, Lord. Just thank you. Church, as we prepare our hearts to respond to the message today, sing. Stand together, church. Sing, Ryan. Because you've been, you've been, oh, you've been so good. I don't deserve it, but you've been, you've been, you've been, you've been, you've been, you've been, you've been mighty good. Lord, you have been. Can I get the church to just say thank you, Lord? Sing together, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just sing it, church. It's very easy. Sing that. Talk to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just want to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm wondering if there's someone here today.